So in Adam all men died. So in Christ all men are made alive. And and we we think in terms of uh you know that's a that's a difficult one for us to wrap our head around because we see so many people embracing uh certainly less than you know the goodness of the lord being lived out through them evil is live spelled backwards today on in the shadow of the cross to In the Shadow of the Cross, and the band is back together. We are here. So it's good to see you guys. It's been a while. I'm glad yes. to be back with you. And uh, and we thought today we would talk about evil is just lived spell backwards. And uh, you, you might be hearing that going, what on earth? Well, last week we talked about evil, and we were building up to answering a question that somebody had posed about why why do bad things happen? If God is all controlling, if God's able to stop these things, if God's all powerful, why are people getting hurt? Why are bad things still happening? Why are bad things still happening to me? Um, and so forth. So we thought we would just tackle this topic. We've been kind of building up to this one. So we thought it'd be fun to to jump in and, and go at it. So Boy, this is this is such a hefty topic. And before we turn the mic, uh, the mics on, Michael, you even uh, were bringing up some really good points just about natural disasters and so forth. And so, um, I, I'm not even sure really where do we start. Where should we start this? Uh, where would the Apostle Paul start it? Um, where would the Apostle Paul begin a discussion of of the category of kakos ponerea evil? Answering a question with a question. Okay, Michael, there we go. <laughs> it's the drugs they got me on. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. You better explain that one. <laughs> yes, Mike, Michael is, it, those of you who don't know or aren't following him, he, uh, he has an injury. He broke his ankle on black ice during that cold snap we had up here in the Midwest. So uh, it, yeah. it's extremely painful i'm certain so it's been it's been a week since surgery they're busted in four places in my ankle yeah man so it was really great i was sitting out in the driveway it was cold and i'm sitting there and um i know cheryl's in the house she can't hear me because she's got the dog barking in there the dog's going crazy because it hears me calling her name but She's, you know, she's just thinking the dog's going crazy. And I told her, don't let the dog out. Don't let the dog out because I'm taking trash out, you know. So I'm sitting there, sitting there, sitting there. And I'm trying to lift my my foot. I, if I lift my leg, my foot just goes, like one of those football injury things. Oh, my things. gosh. And, and I thought, this is weird. So I started playing with it. This is like gross. But it was like. Oh <laughs> so but anyway. So we're so talking about suffering. And this is perfect. <laughs> Well, this is just, listen, suffering due to stupidity for not seeing black ice is one thing, you know, but uh, you can't cure, there's no cure for stupid. So so you weren't laying there on the ground going, God, why have you forsaken me? No, I just looked up and I said, okay, Father, this is what it is. I broke my foot, but 
let's just carry on and let's just carry on. You know, oh, man. I've tried to have that kind of suck it up, keep calm and carry on attitude ever since. But let's do this. Let's ask about so, evil. Michael, you, you threw back the question, where would Paul start? So yeah. um, <laughs> it, as soon as you said that, my, my crazy Irish humor kicked in. And it reminded me of the story of the, the kid that's up at the blackboard and he's trying to figure out a mathematical equation. And he writes down uh, the name Jesus. And the teacher says, what is that? And he said, well, Jesus is the answer to everything. I just don't know how he got there. <laughs> so so we could say, well, Paul would have started at the cross. It's like, <laughs> I just don't know how he got there. No, no, I'm joking. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, think about it. I mean, so... Yeah. If we want to do this in the most interesting manner, we'd, we'd do it chronologically. We'd start with the Thessalonian letters. Right. And ask, well, how does Paul discuss evil in those letters? Well, in, in those letters, um, when he's still under the sway of the Jerusalem church and he's still thinking in that second temple uh, kind of eschatological framework, uh, evil is obviously very much related to historical events and historical figures. This so-called man of sin in Second Thessalonians two, and um, uh, just I know in in the first chapter he he observes how they have turned from uh, idols to serve the true and the living God, and to wait for Jesus to come from heaven, who will deliver us from the wrath to come, and it's all very much locked into that. But then, then of course. We've often talked about Paul's second conversion, his his kind of his I think his real conversion in a sense. The, the, he sees in the silent years between forty one and forty nine, he sees the implications of a crucified Messiah. And mm-hmm. when we look at the letters after that, Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, uh, everything but the pastorals, which I discount as non Pauline. But when we look at the other eight letters. Um, how does Paul frame evil there? Does he do it the same way? And the answer is no. How does Paul discuss evil? Well, if you go in 1 Corinthians, is there is there anywhere in 1 Corinthians you can think of that Paul discourses on evil? The only thing I could think of is, but I don't know that he directly says evil, but is is when he's talking about the, uh, the guy uh, who's with his... Stepmom, I think it was. Well, yeah, and in in that's a that's a that's a very challenging text, and there I would want to take issue with the majority interpretation. But um, I follow a line of thinking by a, a, a New Zealand uh, or Australian monk, I should say, an Australian monk, uh, Dizdar Drasco, and his work on that passage. But no, no, you can't. It's not even there. There's okay. no. There's no kind of like. There's no kind of like, where did evil come from, right? Do we find the same thing in 2 Corinthians? What do we find? Well, we've got that weird passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse, I think, 14, all the way down through chapter 7, verse 1, where it's as though there's this section that has been lifted out of the Qumran scrolls and inserted right there into 2 Corinthians. You know, and it's it's a very dualistic text. It just doesn't even sound like Paul. He's using the the the, the text uses a term for 
the Satan, Belial. Belial. Uh, Paul never uses that. You huh. know, it's a, and it's a strange, it's a strange piece of text to be inserted there. I, th- I think I could explain why it got inserted there and why it got inserted there early on, so much so that it becomes part of the copies of Second Corinthians. But that has to do with that whole Peter Paul debate going back in Corinth that, oh, that I discussed okay. in my work. So there's nothing really there. Um, you know, you don't, you, you, you have evil messengers, evil apostles, servants of Satan mentioned later in the letter. Yeah. Right? Romans. Does Romans have any extended discourse on evil? No. No, there, there really isn't. The first uh, four chapters, which are not Paul's theology, but Paul's questioning the interlocutor. Mm-hmm. No, nothing there. Chapters five through eight, nothing there, except for that beautiful eschatological metaphor in chapter eight. I'm, I'm sorry, except except for chapter seven, where you have the the evil that I do, the evil that's in me. Okay. So, so all of a sudden, whatever we're looking at in terms of end times and evil in history is now become very existential, very personal, right? Yeah. And, and then uh, you get to uh, like Ephesians, and we see this being played out. It's very interesting. If Ephesians is the first letter written since Thessalonians, which would be about a nine-year gap, if Ephesians is the first letter written. We see that evil is not played out in chapters 1 through 3, the stage of world history. It's not played out in chapters 4 and part of 5, the church. It's not played out in chapters 5 and part of 6, family structures. But it's played out in the life of the Christian. Huh. Evil's, evil's a drama that takes place where? In our life, our, our spirit life, as it were. Okay. Okay. And so, you know, I I don't see Paul having these big questions about the nature of evil, where evil comes from. Paul doesn't doesn't seem to do that. Um, The writer of the Gospel of John, uh, in a conversation on on this topic, uh, does in fact want to take it back to the beginning where there is a liar and a murderer. Yeah. John 8, mm-hmm. you know. So so the author of John is at least willing to discuss the origins of this evil. And he, he will, of course, hearken back to the Genesis myth of, of the, the, uh, the, the snake uh, and Cain. Yeah. And, and again, if the devil's a liar and a murderer, the snake is both uh, the, the, the evil, the serpent, the devil is both the snake and Cain. You can't separate them. You know what okay. I mean? Right. Liar and murderer. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they're both they both stand in for the human species. They both they both speak to our condition. Um Colossians, you really don't have any large kind of like anything about evil. Um you don't have a lot about the conquering of of principalities and powers. Uh and in Philippians, uh you know, there's really no dis- discourse on evil. So Paul doesn't move in that direction. So why do our moderns? Why do? Why is it such a big deal today? That's what I was wondering. Well, I, I was sitting here wondering the same thing and was going to even interject that it's like the way that you hear most Christians talk, you would think that it's just drenched with talk about evil. And, uh, and then hearing you right. go through it, it's like it, it, it's not there. 
And, uh, and, and so it's like, it, it's not what I've been taught when I've been in those circles. It's, it's really interesting. Yeah. So there's a, a wonderful book and um, it's sitting in my office and I can't remember the uh, author's name and that's my bad. And I apologize. It's this pain medication they've got me on. It's made me forgetful. But um, it's called The Evils of Theodicy. Um, and the author's basic argument is that when we frame questions of theodicy, and theodicy is just a, a two Greek terms, theos and decay, put together. We're talking about trying to justify a God. How do we justify God uh, when there's evil in the world? So a theodicy is how do you justify a God that's good when there's evil in the world. How do you justify, mm-hmm. how do you claim that God is all powerful? When a, if an all powerful God doesn't change things and make things better, then he must, must be complicit with evil or not caring or anything else, you know? And, and so when people look at, at life, human existence, um, they turn immediately to these enlightenment questions of theodicy, because yeah. first of all, they haven't allowed the gospel to change their view of what a God is. To begin right. with. And that's what the gospel does. The gospel says, you don't need a God concept. You need a father. Right. Okay. You don't need a God concept. You need a mediator. You don't need a God concept. You need the presence of God with you by spirit. This is the doctrine of the Trinity. It's why it's so important. Yeah. And why why I don't, I don't have a God concept. Because the father is the only, quote, great thing I'll ever know being all whatever. Um, so I, I find that, that modern questions about theodicy almost always begin with, uh, people feeling ripped off and, uh, shortchanged and, uh, they're bitter or broken. Um, and again, I'm not saying that suffering isn't real. Suffering is very, very real. But to attribute it to a father that doesn't care, um, in my mind, doesn't work. To attribute it to a God that doesn't care, yeah, anybody can do that because gods are fickle. God, God's absurd. Right. You know, look at our gods. Look at the gods we create, right? I mean, look at our Marvel superheroes. They're yeah. our new gods. If you want to know what an old god looked like, just look at a Marvel superhero. Right. In the Marvel Universe, you know, and that's what you're looking at. It's populated with beings and multiverses and this and that and the other. And there's no end. There's no end to this so-called eternal battle between good and evil. Well, the gospel says that's crap. <laughs> there is an end to this. It is been put to an end. In space and time, Jesus Christ, when he died, he took with him everything. The law, you, me, my enemy, my country, my race, my gender, my knowledge, your knowledge, everything that you are, everything that's our past that we call history is absorbed into his story of dying and he, everything dies. 
And if we recognize that, if we're willing to go there, and then we're willing to start with this understanding of the resurrection as the vindication of this beautiful mediating figure, Jesus of Nazareth, the true son of the Father, who's then given the name above all names. It's then that we can begin to see that the the God who makes heaven and, and earth has also chosen and been willing to become heaven on earth and allow us to do as we pleased with this God. And we did do as we pleased, and we did to this God what we do to all gods. We kill them. Wow. Yeah. And we are still loved. And and to me, when you frame history and space and time that way, it's very, very different than, you know, uh, why do bad things? I know why bad things happen. I know people... drink and and drive drunk and kill somebody that's a bad thing yeah it's not as though it's you know it's it's a bad thing to place at the the doorstep of the father at that point it misunderstands the role of the father in the universe and mr durkin you take over please so we have a um it's it's almost like we have a ball of string that uh or or a um bird's nest in our fishing line <laughs> that needs to be untangled here uh you know and and sometimes you just need to uh you know just cut it out <laughs> you know and restring your your line you know it's like okay we you you can't untangle every mess and, and you know, and cautiously or carefully or whatever. Sometimes, yeah, well, let's throw it out and let's start all over again. Uh, because uh, again, it goes back to so many things that we've addressed over the last year. Uh, flatline reading. Um, I'm, I'm. I've had this discussion with uh, a lot of people over a lot of years, and. It seems like there's always somebody that wants to go back to uh, this scripture in Isaiah 45, um, where God is saying, I am the Lord and there's none beside me. I gird you. I know you. And then he goes on to say, I form light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. Hmm. I, the Lord, do all these things. And see? See? Yeah. God said about himself, he creates evil. <laughs> yeah. And so we bring that into the argument, you right. know? And so so in that argument, I or, or someone else maybe says, you know, um, so what about I'm light? No variableness, no shadow of turning, no, you know. Uh, just what about the s- stupid thing that we do in church where the minister says God is good and the, everybody chor- choruses back all the time, you know? And, and it's like, oh, well, 
But God also creates evil, so evil must be good because God only does good things. And 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 we see the fishing line getting more and more balled up. It's it, you know, and we're we're bringing all this into you bring out Romans 7. And people say, you know, that's my experience, you know, I'd like to be a good boy, but I've got evil in me and and God created evil. And you're like, oh my God, what what kind of theology do we got? Do we have here? We have no theology in this in this respect. Uh, you know, here's here's God, and, and you know, and then you got people on the other end of the spectrum that, you know, he creates people uh, that he uh, predetermines and 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 destines to go to hell. They can never get saved. You know, and it's like, it sucks to be you. Yeah. <laughs> well, some of those guys think I'm one of them. Yeah, right. <laughs> so anyhow, yeah, you know, and 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 it goes on and on and on. I I was talking with a group of guys yesterday, and we had a a, a new guy come to our little breakfast table and. And we're we're just sitting around, and you know, and we're, we're actually we had three new people yesterday, and we're sitting around, and we're just talking about our life, and who are you, and who am I, and you know, what's your interest, and et cetera, et cetera. And all of a sudden, this guy just like, you know, I've been thinking here, uh, what would mighty men of God in the Lord's day be talking about? Would they be just sitting around talking about baseball? You know, of course not. They'd be talking about the deep things of God. And we're mighty men of God. And, and I was like, oh, good. Who invited this guy? <laughs> you know. And, I did. And, <laughs> and so he gets on this, he gets on this authority, he gets on this authority kick, Okay. Uh, there's so much homelessness here and there's so much drugs here and there's so much, you know, and I walk down the street and I see demons everywhere and, and we're not teaching the sons of God to take authority over this evil. And I'm sorry, but I couldn't handle it anymore. And I said, well, why would we take authority over something God created? And he just like, what? And I took him to Isaiah. I said, God said he created this evil. <laughs> You're so why, would we why would we take authority over it? And he Dude. just didn't know, he didn't know where to go with it. And of course, I was having fun. I mean, yeah, I, right. I was just like, you know. And the guys that knew me, they're all sitting back just kind of snickering and under their breath you know it's like go jim you know there he goes <laughs> but you know it's it's we just have a, such a twisted mind i ended up i ended up saying you know if there's something that i'm i'm uh, another lie that's kind of getting exposed and i know it's going a little off off topic but i'm pretty excited about it quite frankly and 
one of the lies is that we've separated the Trinity. You know, well, you know, I don't know about God, but I sure do love Jesus. You know, it's like he's he's cool. And, uh, you know, the Father, I don't know about him because, and here it goes again, because, it, you know, he commanded people to kill and he, he commanded people to rape and he commanded people to, you know, so the Father is evil. Jesus is pretty cool dude. And the Holy Spirit, we don't even get him, so <laughs> we just kind of leave him out in the dark. And... I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of wrestling in my spirit with I don't think you can separate them. I think you either have a relationship with the Trinity or you have no relationship. That may be too strong of a statement. I don't know. I'm I'm looking over at uh we get to see each other as we talk here. So I'm looking over at Michael to see if he's nodding his head or, <laughs> or if he's slapping his forehead. <laughs> like, oh, God, there goes Jim. <laughs> Anyhow, so getting back to the subject of, of who created evil, I, just one more quick thought. Back in... Uh, and and I'd like Michael to maybe pick up on this and and say more than yes or no, or thumb up or thumb down. Back in nine one one two thousand one, the question was why would God allow this? And it, my. My response to several times was, why wouldn't he? And and let me explain that. Two things, and I'm not a dominion theorist, but I do believe that dominion was given to man, and so much of what we experience in this world today is because of what we've done. If we rape the... Uh, uh, rainforest, and as a result, we have problems, or if we seed the clouds to change the weather, and then we have problems, it's like, and we call the problem an act of God, that's kind of ridiculous, but anyhow, it's scapegoating, but <clears throat> I said, here's, here's, here's a question I want to wrestle with, I want to think about. Yes, we have evil in the world. But is that a spirit or is that evil men? So we have evil men who commandeered some airplanes. And then they forced the pilot to use that airplane to fly into buildings. To kill the people on the plane and to kill people in the building. What did they do? They exercised... The, their ability to make choices. Call it free will, call it whatever you want to call it, but they made a choice. That choice had repercussions, and it affected many, many people. Can we say, why did God do this? Why did God allow it? In my mind, why did God allow it is... 
because he gave to all of humanity the ability to make choices. And we don't always make the right choice. Michael said something earlier. A man chooses to drink and get in his car and drive. Okay. Somebody may get hurt because of that. And it may be, let's just say, a young man that was on his way to his wedding. And now the, 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 the bride is standing at the altar waiting for her groom to show up, and instead she gets a message that he's been killed. And I said, if God stepped in like you want God to step in, and he took away from that drunk driver the ability to make the choice. He starts to get in his car, and God freezes time, and he can't even open the door to his car because God prevents him. Or those men that commandeered the planes and flew them into buildings. God stopped them. Then God must, because he is no respecter of person, must take free choice away from all of us. He can't, well, I'm taking free choice away from you because too many people are going to get hurt, but I'm going to let this guy over here have free choice. That wouldn't be God. And, and I look at that and I say, why did God allow it? Because God's good and because God's loving and because God has given to us the gift of not being a cow out in the field chewing its cud because that's what we do. We're human beings who get to make choices. And some choose to make choices that become what we call evil. So back to you, Michael. Yeah, let let's let's okay, so we can acknowledge right off the bat, scripture has many, many approaches to this question. The book of Job is one. The book of Job, in its early form, just the speeches without the beginning and the ending, is the first one. And then the uh, chapters 1 and 2 and 38 to 42 get added on later. That's another explanation. There's two. The um, uh, rediscovery, so-called rediscovery, of the book of Deuteronomy during the kingship of Josiah in 621 BCE uh, is another uh, explanation for evil. Uh, Torah in in Genesis, the 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 great thinkers who came up with the 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 great poetic myth of Genesis one through eleven have another ex- explanation. Uh, Isaiah, uh, who wants to make uh, you know God alone God and establish not just henotheism, one God above others, but monotheism, only one God, uh, has God the maker of everything, good and evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get to the New Testament. You know, and, and and what do we see in the New Testament is we open up into a world. If we if we just open up the New Testament, we go from the from the, the all the, the the debates and the arguments and where is evil, why is evil, song uh, Ecclesiastes has its own way of answering that. You know, um, again, all these ways of answering the question. All of a sudden, we we walk into the New Testament and we see this really strange figure battling spirits. Mm-hmm. What? Well, where did all this come from? 
It wasn't, you know, it wasn't in the Old Testament, the, the text there, the Jewish scriptures, right? You don't find a lot of that in, uh, in um, uh, Second Temple Jewish literature prior to Jesus. You don't find a lot of that kind of discussion of casting out of demons by a human being and this and that and the other. It's certainly not someone who had that as a ministry. And when you stop and you go, okay, wait a second. One, why is the Jesus story being cast in this frame? Why this this narrative? Why this kind of a narrative? Well, one, this very same Jesus who is now battling these cosmic, and I mean truly cosmic, uh, 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 figurations of evil, so to speak, um, is also Lord over chaos. And we see this in the walking on the water. Mm-hmm. Jesus has and can have a relationship, the physical human Jesus can have a relationship with the physical reality around him that would actually allow him to walk on water. Okay. We see he's Lord of the chaos, Lord of of all this. This is the whole comport of, of of this narrative. He is Lord over this darkness that's out there. He's Lord over the so-called perceived darkness in the natural world. He's Lord over it all. And yet, when it comes to his relationships, he surrenders and is not a, quote, Lord. He is a servant. And this is really, really key. If we're going to understand the creator, if we're going to understand what evil is and our relationship to it and what we can do about it and what we can't do about it, we're going to get any of this. We have to get back into the life of Jesus. Now, I'm not saying everybody's going to go out and be an exorcist. That's absurd. Because... Mm -hmm. When you look at the kinds of things Jesus was casting out demons in, some of these could be medical issues. Jesus was a healer. He healed. Some of them psychological trauma. He was a healer. He healed. But there is going to be, throughout the human race, in just about everybody's life at one point or another, a time when they are faced with kind of ultimate reality choices choices that determine destinies and it's at that moment that the battle between light and darkness is at its fiercest in us my well i mean i look at across church history and i think well you know augustine said evil is the absence of good <laughs> okay well you know you're going to a vessel has to be filled with something, right? Yeah, that's one way to look at it. Karl Barth said, Das Nichtige, evil, is nothingness. Das Nichtige, it's nothingness. It doesn't, it doesn't have an ontology of its own. It doesn't have a being of its own. Um, it doesn't mean that it's not, quote, real, and it doesn't have its effects. But, but, I think if we're going to really come to terms with this, we're going to have to come to terms with it in that that way that Bart did, which is the way Paul did. Christ is Lord of the cosmos. Mm -hmm. No matter what we think is evil or wrong or bad. I mean, 
I mean, I, I, I was sharing the other day, sitting here with Cheryl, I, I don't, I didn't wish this broken ankle upon myself. It's horrible. It's, it's awful. I'm, I'm so, I, I'm helpless. I'm limited. I feel, I feel very uncomfortable as a human being taking up space and time right now because I have to have somebody to, you know, do everything for me, basically. Um, I didn't ask this. I didn't wish for it. But I said, you know, I said, I'm, I'm going to, I'm just going to ask myself, how can I make this situation be for my benefit? Mm-hmm. One, I can let it slow me down. It's given me certainly a week of time to kind of reconnoiter my life because I'm starting all over as you know, I just moved as well, you know, and I, you know, I, I, I'm just trying to find the positive that will come out of this or make the positive happen. You know, all things work together for good to those that love God. And I do to those that are called according to his purpose. I am. So the father is out there weaving good things even now. Yeah. Um, I trust that about the father, you know, um, and so instead of lamenting, oh, you broke my dang dinkle. Oh, God, he's such a bummer, man. Can't do anything. I don't like life. Instead of having that kind of an orientation toward life, I've chosen to take on the orientation that the Father just loves me immensely. You know? I mean, he loves me enough to be to, to put us back together again here, the three of us. <laughs> don't know if he loves That's a sign that he loves you, but it's a sign that he loves me. <laughs> So, so then, Michael, you have two other that I can think of, two other trains of thought. One is um, <clears throat> maybe I'm out of God's will. Maybe I shouldn't have moved here. And maybe this is God's way of showing me that I made a wrong choice, uh, you know. There That's would have been a lot easier of- ways to do that, Father. Of course. That's one school of thought. Another school of thought is, uh, you know, that um, God left the, you know, God knew the ice was there. God knew, God could have stopped me from walking out that, down that path. God could have this, but God let that happen because he wants to teach me some things about his nature and he wants to slow me down so he can talk to me and he wants to in other words god did this thing to me so address those two school of thought well first of all um i'm in the will of god whether i i am um with a broken leg or without whether i am in a wheelchair or running a race you know i i'm in the will of the father um Nothing can remove me from that. That's that's the admonition there at the end of Romans 8. Neither life, nor death, nor angels and principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor any other thing, nor height, nor depth. Nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ. Period. End of story. Uh, so, so I can't start with the question of, you know, why did this happen? That That's not a question. It's an irrelevant kind of reality. Good. I'm I'm just loved, you know, and it's yeah. all good. Um, so I'm in the will of the Father no matter what. Second, um, 
my first tenancy, Jim, it was really interesting. It was very interesting after I was analyzing it for a while, was to attribute this to my folly. And I'm not sure what that means, but kind of like, you know, mea culpa, my fault. This is all my Mm -hmm. fault. Mm -hmm. And wanting to find some reason to blame myself for it. And, And I realized that, you know, I don't need to blame anything or anybody. This was black ice, man. This is... The rest of the exactly. concrete you could see was fine. Yeah. This this was not something that could have been anticipated. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. I suppose it could have, you know, but, you know. Um, Cheryl bought me ice cleats. I said, am I supposed to wear these on my sandals? <laughs> <laughs> see, I, I should have. I, I should have. I should have. Anyway, so... Um, so anyway, I, I don't. I, I I don't look for 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 me for me. There is evil. Evil is is a reality. Small R, small R. It's a reality. Second, mm-hmm. um, it's a reality that we humans created, and we have empowered. We have given it our power. It has power over us. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, these false gods, these false god narratives, these false mythologies and worldviews, these are all the god concepts that, that we've given power to and evil and the notion that that somehow, you know, violence is good and all of the stuff that we do. We've created, we've turned it into our god. And um, I guess if I lived in that world right now, I'd be you know, pretty pissed at my God for letting this happen to me, you know. But in the world that I dwell in, in the world that's in the shadow of the cross and the tomb, the empty tomb, um, circumstances are just that. They're just circumstances. They happen, you know. Uh, Any one of the three of us, uh, our listeners, you know, we could get a diagnosis of something tomorrow. We could break a leg sure. tomorrow. Sure. We could have somebody close to us get hurt tomorrow. We could be in a war tomorrow for all we know, the way things are going right now. Yeah. You know, um, is there evil out there? Yes. Do people mean to hurt each other? Yes, they do. Um, you know, do we have to deal with with people that are, are sociopathic and psychopathic? Yes, we do. Um, are they any less human than us? No. Uh, are they symptoms of, of, of who we are? If, if, if we weren't so afraid of going to jail? Yeah. You know, um, Hmm. interesting. I, I don't, I don't know. It's hard for, it's hard for me these days anymore to attribute evil to people. It's very hard for me to do that. I think like Jesus, when he separates action from intention in the atonement, they don't know what they're doing. Um, I mean, I could go back to 2017 and I can ask, you know, were the, were the people that destroyed preaching peace, were they evil? Well, Mm -hmm. at the time I thought they were, I, Mm -hmm. I thought they were the most horrible people on the planet, you know? But I've learned since then they were just broken people looking right. to error grievance and needing some some random white guy to strike down. 
and I happen to be the guy. You know, and it's okay. My life, my life took a different turn in that because of that. It took a massively different turn, massively different. I mean, I never saw that turn coming. Not in my mm-hmm. wildest dreams. And the last six years, seven years now, since that, um, as both of you know, have for me been both emotional and physical ups and downs, like like a a roller coaster from yeah. hell in some ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yet, and yet, I keep finding myself being strengthened for the next part of the journey. Um. And that's what I'm saying. I'm I'm saying to the father, bring it on. I'm not saying that. Right. Not saying that. You know. But it's. I'm very very grateful for the work of the Spirit for Jesus, who I know prays for me for, for the Father who's at work even now healing me, um, in the flesh, in in the force, in the spirit. You know. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. I'm way too much in love with life. Uh, or live to be all that concerned about evil, which first of all is already forgiven and thus forgotten. Yeah, and and I'm... that brings us to that brings us to the mystery of uh, uh, again to the mystery of the cross, the mystery of Father's love. Um, that God was in Jesus reconciling the whole world to himself. So in Adam, all men died. So in Christ, all men are made alive. And, and we, we think in terms of, uh, you know, that's a, that's a difficult one for us to wrap our head around because we see so many people embracing, uh, Certainly less than, you know, the goodness of the Lord being lived out through them. And, and, and I go back to another scripture that says that um, this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, yeah. but men love their darkness more than they love the light. And, 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 and I, I, I look at that and I say, you know, I think that's I think that's part of it. The law of God is written in the heart of every man. Uh, every man has been forgiven. Every man has been given life, the life of God. And yet, not every man wants that. Uh, some just, you know what? I kind of like the life I have right now, and. Um, I kind of like hurting people. I kind of like doing this. I kind of like doing that. And, you know, and, and, and then we get the, again, we go back to that twisted ball of fishing line. It's like, well, God must, uh, you know, God's using them in my life to make me a better person. <laughs> you know, that's like, uh, just cut that knot out and throw it away and, you know, restring your fishing pole and, you know, and, and get rid of that, you know? So, uh, 
you know, if, if, if people want to like their life and their life is hurtful to others, that doesn't change the fact that I'm loved by God. I like what yes, you're right. saying, Michael. I live in that love, and I don't live by the circumstances of the ex-biker who lives next door who kind of, you know, has the pit bull, and he kind of growls every time he walks by that. Not the pit bull, the man. <laughs> every time he walks by my house and I'm on the porch, you know. And it's like, does that change? Oh, it's going to be a bummer day. I mean, oh, God, I need your help to get through this day because my neighbor growled. You know, it's like, I'm loved. Ruby, Ruby, Ruby. <laughs> <laughs> well, Go ahead. So I'm, I'm glad you brought up that text because earlier in the conversation, I'm, I'm sitting here, I've been mulling this for, for some time now. It's Paul in Second Corinthians chapter 4. Um. He's talking about the, the difference between him and these false apostles that we, Paul says, we don't use underhanded, deceitful ways. We just speak truth. Um, we don't have to commend ourselves like others do. He says, even if our gospel is veiled, mm -hmm. it's veiled only to those who are in the process of perishing. Again, mm -hmm. not eternal conscious torment nonsense, but whose lives will cease to have any meaning or mm -hmm. purpose. Mm -hmm. Okay. In their case, and this is so interesting to me, the God of this world mm -hmm. has blinded the minds of those who don't trust to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the message of the glory of God, of the glory of Christ, who is mm -hmm. the likeness of God. In other words, what is it people are not seeing? They're not seeing that God is like Jesus. Right. The yes. Christians are asking the wrong question. Is Jesus yes. like God? Is Jesus like God? God is all-powerful? That ain't Jesus. God is the that ain't Jesus. No. The real question is, is God like Jesus? And, and if the God of this world, the, the Janus-faced God, keeps people stuck, in that first question, well, is Jesus like God? The answer is always going to be no. Mm -hmm. But if the answer mm -hmm. is, is, is quote, a God concept like Jesus, then now you've redefined everything. I, I mean, everything gets right. redefined and redone. And, 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 and in fact, it gets so redefined, it gets done away with, and a whole new system comes into being. It's like going from Ptolemaic geometry to quantum computing in one fell swoop that's the difference i wish i wish we had the ability the ability to uh uh yeah i'm not even sure what i'm wishing but what you just read there michael that could preach <laughs> that's what us charismatics say that could preach. Yeah, well it is that it is I, that just that really that puts the cap on this whole discussion, uh, you know. And 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 I I, I think, um, Lauren, you were getting ready to say something, but I, I just I just have to say, I you know I you know I got charismatically excited when you read that scripture. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me charismatically excite you a little more, there, Jim. <laughs> All righty. 
<laughs> what we preach, Paul says, he goes on, what we preach is not ourselves. Yes. But Jesus Christ is Lord. Well, when, mm-hmm. when we preach ourselves, are we preaching ourselves as Lord? Are we saying that humans are at the top of the food chain? Are we saying that, you know, we, we are the ultimate in reality, that, that you know, there is not, nothing above us? What are we, what are we saying when we, when we preach not ourselves? With, but Jesus is Lord. And ourselves, you know, Paul's going to say, okay, this is what ourselves are. Your servants. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, what Jesus said. Mm-hmm. For it is God who said, let light shine out of darkness. The same God who, who took this tohu vobohu, this chaos, this primordial mass, blobby, whatever, and, and, and said, let there be light, brought order and structure to this, is also shown in our hearts. To give us light of the knowledge. So we're going to know something. What are we going to know? We're going to know about the glory of God. That is God's favorite opinion of God's own self in the face of Jesus of Nazareth. This is the same way as saying, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Same thing. And then he goes on and he says, And we have this treasure in earthen vessels to show that the transcendent power belongs to God and not to us. And he goes on to just go through this catalog. We are afflicted, but we're not crushed, perplexed, not despairing. If we have this treasure in earthen vessels, and the metaphor is about light, we're carrying Mm -hmm. light within us, right? Mm -hmm. But unless we're cracked and broken, there's no place for the light to leak out of. And thus shine. That's that's so good. Lauren, you had something there. And then I want to read a a Facebook post that I got uh, about the podcast here. So go ahead, Lauren. Well, I don't know. With with seven minutes left, I'm kind of opening a whole other can of worms here. But... But I, I, I've kind of placed where when you look There's at... There's always next week. Yeah, that's true. When <laughs> you said next week. Because <laughs> when, when, you, when you look at Jesus, who's showing us the Father as, you know, on the cross, we see, we see a God who, um, a, a Father, not a God concept, who, who empties himself of power. And, uh, and I'm, I was hesitant if I even want to say this, but my thinking uh, when, when, uh, Michael, you talk about, you know, you slipping on the black ice. Um, So uh, my thinking is, I think the father was just as surprised you slipped on it as you were. Um, Because where, where I kind of see this is I I, love doesn't control um, because God is love. Love doesn't control. I think the father actually experiences the future with us. Um, I, I think the father is, because he's the most brilliant being in the universe, he connects dots. So he sees things that are beyond what we can see because of his ability to connect dots. So like he knew, Peter, you're, you're going to deny me. You're going to deny me three times. Um, but I don't see him as like, he was like, it's destined. It's written it. Michael's going to walk out the door and he's going to slip on black ice. It, it's that, 
I man, I, I even I, I'm sorry, I'm like treading on on eggshells here just because I'll just put it out there. I just don't think God controls events like we think he does. I think I think the father let me, let me give this scenario. My dad was killed by a drunk driver. Um the drunk driver, the person uh they tried to keep him from leaving the party. He insisted on leaving, took his keys and left anyway. My dad was on a cross-country bicycle trip. He was going down the road. The guy passed my dad going the other direction. His girlfriend called him to come back to the party. He fought with her on the phone and then finally turned around to go back to the party. And that's when he killed my dad. I think that guy could have made several choices in that moment. I don't believe the father was saying this is destined that Lauren's father, that Lyle Rosser is going to be killed by this drunk driver. I really believe it was in that moment of decision that that guy made of what determined what was going to happen. And I think the father rode along with us in that as far as what everything would, how everything would unfold. Um, I don't think the father controlled that that guy's going to turn around. Um, And because God's not the controller, it even is this. Does the father even know for sure that that guy was going to choose that? See, because like, like you're, you're I, opening up, you're opening up uh, open theism questions. You're opening up futurology questions. You're opening up process theological questions. Right. You're up so many. You're you're exactly right in terms of of uh, you didn't just open up a can of worms, buddy. You opened up a worm factory. Right. Exactly. That's why I wasn't sure I wanted to wanted to even even go there. But but the bottom line, just some bringing it down, is I just don't ascribe to the whole controller God theology that you know everything's written in stone and it's it's destined and God has mm-hmm. this ultimate plan and uh, he had he had plan A and you know but he knew you were going to choose plan B so that really was his ultimate plan and I I just. I don't ascribe to any of that uh, because because of and the reason why I don't is because of the cross and because of uh, not having a God concept anymore, but a father who's continually emptying himself of power. So let me ask you this question. Is it the difference between those of us who tend to write our narratives from from the present forward we look at we have memory we have past and we have forward future but what if what if what if you were to write the whole story from the end starting at the end and oh that's true yeah that's true that's even what screenwriters do sometimes yep right and you know i mean we we have so many questions in here to tackle yeah we could do it next week (laughs) <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, that's that. That would be good. And and, and I think I, I I think we ought to try and tackle some of my. I understand there's a you know a two thousand year history of trying to tackle these things. So we're not going to do it in a week podcast. But uh, but I do think that there are some of these questions that that can be addressed uh, so that our listeners are are saying, hey, that's helping out. You know, I'm getting a a little bit deeper understanding. Um, I want to. I want to read uh, in in relationship to that. So, I made a new friend on Facebook, and and so he reached out on Messenger, and he said, "Is this the same Jim Durkin who speaks on the YouTube podcast with Mike Harden and Lauren Rosser?" If yes, hi. I just wanted to introduce myself briefly. 
I have listened to every episode. I also like to leave comments on my reactions of my podcast videos on your YouTube from my YouTube channel, uh, West Zilly. That's me, and I'm very grateful for all that you share in your discussions. I enjoy them so very much. They're like spiritual nourishment to me in times that I need. Thanks, Wes Souza. Wow. Um, I don't know if you guys know Wes or not, uh, but I, think I, I was I think like, do. that's so encouraging. I've yeah. listened to every, I haven't even listened to every episode. <laughs> I haven't listened to any of them. Right. So, shout, shout out to Wes Souza. <laughs> Cheryl yeah. says to me the other day, she says, do you know when you said such and such and such on this episode? I don't know. I, I said that. Episodes, I don't know what I said. I have no idea. <laughs> See, I'm in the opposite boat because I have to go back and edit these. So, I, I, I get to hear them twice. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Or she'll oh, say, she'll great. quote something I said, and I'm thinking to myself, that's really good, man. And she'll say, well, that was you. It's like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. All right. Well, we're actually oh. at time. And this, once again, was a, a really good conversation. And I guess next time we can jump into the, the worm factory. <laughs> yeah, since, we, <laughs> since today we untangled the fishing line, next week we all... And we'll yeah, open the can we'll, of worms. We'll go to the worm factory. And I'm glad because this is stuff that I myself have been wrestling with. And um, so I, I don't have any like solid, firm belief in this at this point. And so I, I'd love to explore it with you guys. So I, I think it would be it would be fun, a fun conversation. Cool. So, all right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you all next time. Bye.